you guys stand up. You know this song. Come on, sing with me.
today we lift it up to you, Father, our gratitude and our heart of praise, thanking you. Thank you, Lord. Last time. Thank you, Lord. Is this a house of grateful people in this place tonight? Well, you brought a Bible tonight. Say amen. amen. I invite you to open it with me to Romans chapter 6, if you will. We continue our subject series, Spiritual Avalanche. We're learning how to not slide in our relationship with the Lord, but rather we're learning how to abide in our relationship with the Lord. Let's stand up together. Romans chapter 6, verse 11 through 14 tonight. The Bible says, Paul writing, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its lust. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In verse 14, For sin shall not be master over you. For you're not under law, but you are under grace. Let's bow. Father, thank you once again for the word. It is an absolute honor to think tonight that we are no longer under the condemnation of the law, but we have, by your grace, been moved underneath the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, we worship you tonight because you are worthy of all things. And your word is overwhelmingly true, and it has the ability to change us. Father, we never graduate from the Bible. So tonight, teach us once again that we might leave here being salt and light in a generation that desperately needs the good news of the gospel. And we'll give you glory for it, and it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. You be seated. <clears throat> As we've studied Psalm chapter 1 together and launched this series, we came to the realization that the wicked live their day-to-day -day lives controlled by selfish desires. Their hearts are bent in submission to the principle of sin. Indeed, sin is the byproduct of missing the holy standard of God. For the scripture states, we have all sinned and fallen short of God's holy standard. However, sin is not only something that is practiced in the godless life, it is also a principle that reigns in the heart of the godless life. Now, the moment you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father called the old king of your life, Mr. Sin, into his boardroom. Mr. Sin took a seat across the table and was looked square in the face by God the Father. The Father pointed a heavenly finger at Mr. Sin's chest and made one statement, you're fired. And following this swift action, a new project manager was assigned to your life. The project manager is the Holy Spirit. And under the divine authority of God the Father, you have been chosen to be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. You and I, as followers of the Lord, are projects of God. He is working in us by the Holy Spirit to make us like Jesus Christ. God is in the process, and I want you to listen to this statement. This is huge. It's helped me in the past. But God is in the process of making you as much like Jesus as you possibly can be without becoming God. 
You know, Paul teaches us in Romans 8 and verse 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Paul also states in Ephesians 1.13, in Christ you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. It's an interesting word there that Paul uses, the word sealed. I love it because it is actually the same terminology used to describe what an individual would do whenever they would go and purchase a piece of property. They would put down earnest money on the property. How do you know a person is serious about buying a piece of property? Because they put some earnest money down. How do you know that God the Father is serious about purchasing your life from the slave market of sin because he put earnest down on your life in himself, the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God? You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And aren't you glad tonight there's absolutely nothing that can take that seal away? <laughs> and Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 5, 8, that you are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when I used to read this in my Bible... I had the imagery in my mind of a big pitcher of tea and a tea glass. And I used to think about that tea and I would say, okay, to fill up this glass means to take all of this tea and then put it in to this glass. That's, that's the imagery of filling up something. But that is so not what Paul the Apostle is talking about. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, listen to the preacher, you got all of the Holy Spirit you will ever have. So every single thing you need to live the Christian life was deposited in you the moment you came to Christ. So the Spirit of God lives within you. So what does it mean to be filled? It simply means to be controlled by the Spirit of God. It's giving Him absolute control over the entirety of your life. Now this literally means that we must keep on being controlled by God the Holy Spirit who reigns in us as our new project manager. Make no mistake about it though. Mr. Sin has been fired. However, he does not go quietly. In fact, he knows you very well, doesn't he? He knows where you're weak. He knows just what strings to pull in order to get your attention. He is a fired king, but he is not a tired king. He still desires to reign in your life. So his operation is to attract your selfish desires in hopes, listen, in hopes to get you to submit once again. His aim, that is Mr. Sin, his aim is to see you quench the Holy Spirit at work in your life. That is pour water on the refining process of God in your life. Now, Mr. Sin cannot regain full mastery over your life, but he can lead you to full misery in your life. The miserable Christian walks in the counsel of the wicked. He begins sliding the moment he lives as if God doesn't exist. He slips further still, picking up speed when he lives by unbiblical principles. And then finally, he's charging downhill when he is controlled by selfish desires. Now, the abiding Christian does the opposite. What happens? God is the focal point of his life. He's led by biblical principles. And listen, he is walking in blessedness when he is living controlled by the Holy Spirit. So tonight, I believe in our hearts, we desire to be abiding followers of Christ, not sliding followers. Therefore, we must ask the question, how do we live controlled by the Spirit? Now, don't you think that's a great question? 
How can you and I be controlled by the Spirit of God? Now, much of the New Testament is given to answer this particular question. But what we want to do tonight is lay a foundation together. And really, all I'm going to do is give you two major statements. Now, if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write them down. If you're not taking notes, I would encourage you to write them down. So you get a pen, a pencil, mascara, lipstick, and make sure you jot these truths down. I believe they're going to help you as you seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by God's Spirit within you. Statement number one, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. I am dead, but alive. I am dead, but alive. You say, well, preacher, where'd you get that? Look at your Bible again, Romans 6 and verse 11. Consider yourselves to be yeah, when I pause like that, you fill in the blank, all right? Y'all acting like you've never heard me preach before like Gary over here. But anyway, so uh, I'm just messing with you, brother. Consider yourselves to be to sin, but to God. Now, key word number one is consider. It means to make the proper calculation, to reckon or judge something to be true. Key word number two is dead. It literally means lifeless. It describes a corpse. Keyword number three is sin. It means to miss the mark. But more importantly, Paul is talking about the principle of sin that still exists in the life of the believer. That's our old project manager. Keyword number four is alive. It speaks of having a true, active life. So we put it all together. What is Paul teaching us? What is he teaching me? I love this. Judge yourselves to be a corpse to your old project manager, Mr. Sin, but truly active in life with God. Now, Paul almost gives us a mathematical problem here, as if to say, as sure as 2 plus 2 equals 4, I am dead to sin, but alive to God. He tells us in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I love this part, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So Paul says, I consider Jesus Christ's death on the cross to be my death to sin. I also identify my new life as his life being lived out in me. So let's think about the statement for just a moment, the first part of that statement. I am dead. Y'all with me out there? What does this mean? Now consider for just a moment the sin of drunkenness. And by the way, it is a sin. Y'all all right? But anyway, let's just consider it. We'll argue that one other day. For most of his adult life, he's tempted with alcohol and he succumbs to it. He can't give up drinking. The drunkard drinks until his liver's shot and then he dies. So you and I, you know what we do? We come to his funeral, we mourn his passing. But we notice all around his open casket, people have chosen not to set flowers, but rather they are setting full bottles of beer all around him. A few bottles of Jack Daniels near his head, four cases of Budweiser near his feet. Beer is everywhere. But the wildest thing in the world happened. The man in the casket doesn't reach for a bottle. In fact, he isn't even fazed by the fact that Jack Daniels is near enough to kiss him on the lips. Why isn't he continuing with his old lifestyle of drunkenness, class? Yeah. <laughs> Y'all are so smart. 
So he's dead. And Paul says this, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. You were crucified with Christ. You no longer live. Sin is piled up all around you, begging for your attention, calling to your old craving. So what do you do? You remind yourself of this truth. You judge this to be a fact in your life. You calculate this spiritual equation, ma'am. I am dead to sin. You see, you'd be all over that sin like white on rice, but not anymore. Mr. Sin, listen, I'm a corpse to you. That's how we live. So I'm dead. But the second part of that little phrase is true. Not only am I dead, but I am alive. God is at work all around us. The Bible teaches us that God has prepared good works for you to walk in every single day of your life. Did y'all hear what the preacher just said? God has prepared good works for you to walk in every single day of your life. He prepared every single one of them before you ever even came to faith in Jesus. So he has your life already planned out. Good works right there in front of you. He's working every single day in your life and around you. God is shaping you and I, molding us into the image of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is prompting you. The Spirit of God is leading you, guiding you into the truth. So reckon it to be true. Judge it to be so. Complete the spiritual equation. I, listen, I am full of life and energy toward God. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, being controlled by selfish desires. Walk in the truth of God's Word, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, can I talk to you just for a moment? Y'all look at me eyeball to eyeball. Some of you are struggling with sin in your life. <laughs> Is that a shocker or what? Some of you have a problem. You've got something you just flat can't shake. You know what you need to do? You need to remind yourself you're dead to that sin. And you do this through a time of prayer. Every single time, and here's the deal, you know what areas you're going to be tempted in. So what you ought to do is get ready for the battle. So what you do is you get back and say, Lord, I know, it, I know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to be tempted in this area. So what do I need to do? I need to know what God's truth says. So whenever you're tempted, you're saying, Lord, I am dead to this sin. Remind me of that by the Holy Spirit. Empower me now to not succumb to it. Y'all still out there? Y'all looking at me like I'm making up stuff. But we're dead, but we're alive. Listen, God didn't save you and then look at you and say, good luck. God saved you and put himself in you. Said, now, listen, all you got to do is just submit to me. I will empower you to do what I've called you to do. <laughs> I love that. You know, you know, it, it, it kind of, I don't know how much we want to talk about the interview process. Uh, Greg, but it was interesting. Uh, I think it was Miss Stephanie. Are you here tonight? You better be. All right, I'm just getting with you. But anyway, so uh, Miss Stephanie asked me one night. She, we were all eating, you know. Um, so she said, uh, "Do you think you're ready to pastor a church that size? You think you can do it?" <laughs> no, I don't. Are y'all all right? <laughs> That's about how they looked at me too. But here. here I really don't. You know what I mean? And here's the deal. About the time I start trying, we all in a mess. Here's the reality. God will always equip you to do what he's called you to do. Which if God calls me to pastor that church, he'll equip me to do it. Doesn't mean I'm going to be good at it. 
But he equipped me to do it, best of my ability, by the power of his spirit. If God has called you and I to live holy, he's equipped us to do it. Y'all out there? We just have to learn these principles and put them to work in our life. And here's the deal. We flat got to do it all the time, don't we, fellas? We have to put this into work. I'm dead, but I'm alive. Let me give you the second statement. And I like this one even gooder. <clears throat> I am disobedient, but obedient. I am disobedient, but obedient. Look at your Bible again, Romans 6 and verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. The word reign speaks of exercising authority over someone or something. Number two and three together, this word mortal body it highlights your actual fleshly body, your mind, your eyes, your mouth, your ears, your hands, and even your feet. The next word is the word obey. It speaks of the ability to hearken to a command or to submit to one's leadership. Then you see the word lust. It speaks of forbidden cravings and desires. So what is Paul teaching us? Listen, since you are dead to sin but alive to God, don't live your life allowing Mr. Sin to exercise authority over your body. Don't let him exercise authority over your mind, your eyes, your mouth, your ears, your hands, or even your feet so that you bring them in submission to forbidden cravings and desires. Just don't give him the authority. Now, the bottom line is that is a huge mouthful. Wouldn't you agree? But it is supremely powerful as we learn together how to put these into practice. Uh, here's um, let, let me just kind of share with you kind of sometimes what I do. Is that all right? Now, I'm just telling you, I, I ain't near as spiritual as y'all might think I am, but I'm just, you know, the Lord helps me out. But there are times when I have to pray in the morning, and I'll go from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet in prayer. Lord, this mind wants to wander on things it shouldn't wander on. So today I'm submitting this mind to you. Lord, I, I want to give this over not to Mr. Sin, but to the Spirit of God. So this morning I'm just giving you my mind. Allow it to be filled with that which is true. Lord, I'm giving you my eyes. Y'all with me? These eyes love to roam around and look about at things they probably shouldn't look at. So God, I'm just giving these over to you. I submit them not to sin, but to the Spirit of God. Enable me to look at that which you desire for me to look at. You go down to your ears. Lord, I give you these ears. I don't want to listen to any gossip. These ears need to be pure and clean. So Lord, if somebody's out there looking to drop some trash, let them find another dump. <laughs> Lord, I give you this mouth. I don't want to say anything that's going to slander someone or put someone down. So I'm giving you this tongue, and I want to lay it down on the altar. Sometimes I fear the altar ain't big enough for some people's tongue. No, I was just kidding. But anyway, so you, you, this is my prayer. You're praying. You say, Lord, I'm going to give you this tongue. So you go, Lord, these hands, I want to give them to you. Lord, these feet. You know, the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Every single thing I've got, Lord, I'm going to give it over to you. And we do this in prayer. And when we do this, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, uh, this morning, Mr. Sin will not have control over me, but the Spirit of God, fill me up and use me as you desire. And it's interesting, oftentimes I have to do this more than once a day. Y'all all right? Let's go further. Romans 6, 13. Do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. 
But present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Now, very quickly, let's break this down. It's a long verse. Let me give you the first half. Look at the word presenting. It means to continue to give something over to another's full disposal and usage. And then members, there again, it speaks of every aspect of your fleshly body. And then instruments. This is the same Greek word that speaks of tools, armor, listen to this, or weaponry. And then unrighteousness, that which is not in confirmation with God's holy standard. It speaks of ungodliness. It speaks of wickedness. So Paul is saying, don't give any member. Are y'all listening, Sam? Listening. This is, the, this is wild. Don't give any member of your fleshly body to Mr. Sin to serve as an offensive weapon for that which is wicked. <laughs> when you and I submit to Mr. Sin as Christians, we're actually becoming Mr. Sin's weapon for advancing wickedness in the world. The second half of the verse, we've already defined the term, so let's just put it together. Uh, here's what we're to do. Keep on giving the members of your fleshly body to God to serve as His offensive weapon for that which is holy and right. When you and I submit to God, we are actually becoming His weapon for advancing holiness, justice, and righteousness in the world. In other words, at any moment in your life and mine, no matter where we are, we are always a weapon for someone, Mr. Sin or God. You're either advancing darkness or you are advancing light. You're either charging forth in this life with unrighteousness or you are holding high the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So really the charge from Paul to us is to be disobedient but obedient. Didn't you see it there? You are disobedient to sin but you are obedient to God. But why is God so concerned with our bodies? What's the big deal? Why does even Paul seem preoccupied with what we do with our bodies? That's a good question, wouldn't you agree? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Listen to this. You and I, we are not our own. Bought with a price, therefore, listen to what Paul says, glorify God in your body. So there it is, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Quite interestingly, there are two words in the Greek New Testament that are used when referring to the temple. The first word is Aaron. It speaks of the entire temple. It speaks of the outer courts as well. Then there's the second word, it's the word naos. Now, this term speaks of the most sacred place of God in the temple. It's the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was the inner sanctuary of the Old Testament temple where God's presence visited the people. It is separated from the rest of the temple by a massive veil. The Holy of Holies contained the Ark of the Covenant of God. Now, the Ark contained three objects, Aaron's rod that budded, manna which fell from heaven to feed the Israelites during their wilderness wanderings, and the law of God, which had been broken by the people. Once a year, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies with a sacrificial lamb. He would place his hand on the lamb, asking God to put Israel's sin on that particular lamb. Then he'd slay the lamb before the presence of God and put his blood on top of the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, making atonement for the sins of Israel. 
As a result, God's wrath against their sin was appeased for the time, and they did not receive his divine wrath against their sin. That was the naos of the Old Testament, the holy of holies. Now, guess which word Paul used to describe our bodies? Naos. So Paul says, don't you know that your body is the most sacred place of God on earth? Your body is the holy of holies of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's not allow um, what we have heard over and over possibly in our lives to dull our hearts. Don't allow the weighty reality of the fact that the Spirit of God lives in you. Don't allow that weighty reality just to brush over your head. No, no, no. Listen to the preacher. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. That is crazy. Is it not? I know me. I know it's crazy. So we could say, guess who's in you? Well, God, the Holy Spirit. His presence in you, is in you. Guess what is in you? Aaron's rod that budded. You say, I don't have a rod in me that budded. Well, not literally. However, when God made Aaron's dead rod bud, he proved he had the power to make dead things live. You were dead to God until God touched you. And then he made you come alive. You are Aaron's rod that budded. Guess what else is in you? Manna from heaven. You say, I don't have bread inside of me. Well, possibly not literally. But Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You indeed have Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you have the true manna from heaven in you. And guess what else is in you? The law of God. You say, I don't have the Ten Commandments in me. Well, not literally, but Scripture says in Romans 2 that you have the law of God written on your hearts. And your conscience bears witness to the fact, man, that you have broken that very law. Guess what you have on you as a Christian? The blood of the Lamb. You see, I have no blood's lamb all my life. Possibly not literally, but John the Baptist said of Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The blood of Christ is placed upon you. Thus, God's wrath against you for your sin has been eternally appeased. In the Old Testament, they had to continue to make the sacrifice over and over and over again. Once a year, they'd go back in there, make the massive sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. But the Bible says Jesus Christ indeed was the Lamb of God, but He also was our great perfect high priest. And Jesus Christ did for us what no other earthly priest could do. He entered not the earthly tabernacle, but the heavenly tabernacle and went beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat, the throne of God resided. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself, listen to this, he sat down. You say, well, is that a big deal? You bet your life it's a big deal. The Bible tells us that in the Old Testament, it teaches this principle that you never saw a priest sitting down. Why is that? Because it was thought that their work was never done. But when Jesus Christ went into the true Holy of Holies, the Bible says he sat down. Somebody says, why is he sitting down? Because the work's done. He set it on the cross. It is finished. You've been absolutely cleansed. The Spirit of God resides in you. And I want you to think for just a moment. 
about the fact not only does the Spirit of God reside in you, but your old boss is still hanging out too, Mr. Sin. And he flat wants to call the shots again. When you and I know that the Spirit of God resides within us, listen, when you and I know that the Spirit of God resides within us, we should have a deep longing and desire to please Him in every single thing that we do. You know, it's interesting. Could you imagine this evening if you came into church and I got here a little bit before everybody? And I had ladders in here. And I was hanging out. I mean, I was climbing up as high as I possibly could, and I had spray paint. And I was just going to town in here, just spraying all over the walls, man. See those little uh, windows that you can't go anywhere through? But you see, could you imagine if I was just in here and I was just ripping them down, man? You know what y'all would do? Y'all would tackle me, wouldn't you? Some of you men, y'all would say, what in the world do you think you're doing? This is the house of God. Look at the preacher. We get fired up when stuff happens to the house of the Lord but we can care less when somebody is ruining the temple of the Spirit of God. You know a brother who's spraying paint all over the temple of the Spirit of God? The Bible says you go to him in love. Clean the paint. Are y'all hearing me? The Bible says, is there somebody out there? He's walking to faith. And I love the way he says it in Galatians 6. But he kind of trips up and he falls over into sin. You who are spiritual, go and help a brother. You mend that brother's broken spiritual leg and you help him. Why are we so concerned now about everyone else? Because the Spirit of God resides within you. Why should you be concerned about how I live my spiritual life? Why should you desire for your preacher to grow spiritually? Because the Spirit of God resides within me. Are you all out there? This is what we do. This is the Christian life. You and I are not called to live it by ourselves. We're called to live it with one another. So we deeply care for one another. Do we not? If we don't, let's start. So this week, what's your task? You're memorizing Scripture. Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. And then we're looking at Romans chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I love this part. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Just memorize that scripture. Chew on it this week. You will be shocked what the Lord would do in you. Can we be for real for a second? Some of us need to chew on it because we're going to visit relatives this week. <laughs> Y'all with me out there? Well, let's pray together.